John chapter 4, 46 says this. So he, that's Jesus, came again to Cana in Galilee, where he had made the water wine. And at Capernaum, there was an official whose son was ill. When this man heard that Jesus had come from Judea to Galilee, he went to him and asked him to come down and heal his son, for he was at the point of death. So Jesus said to him, unless you see signs and wonders, you will not believe. The official said to him, sir, come down before my child dies. Jesus said to him, go, your son will live. The man believed the word that Jesus spoke to him and went on his way. And as he was going down, his servants met him and told him that his son was recovering. So he asked them the hour when he began to get better. And they said to him, yesterday at the seventh hour, the fever left him. The father knew that was the hour when Jesus had said to him, your son will live. And he himself believed in all his household. This was now the second sign that Jesus did when he had come from Judea to Galilee. All right, let's pray. Jesus, I'm just really, really grateful for your word. Lord, that we have something that we can, we can like look at and know that we know what you have said and who you are. And Jesus, I just uh, say right now that we wanna, we wanna humble ourselves at your feet. Thank you for your presence and your nearness that we experienced in worship. And Jesus, I also just thank you for the fact that you love us enough to challenge us, to confront us where we're off so that we would meet with you, Jesus, so that we would have a clear understanding of who you are and your goodness. And so I just say, have your way. Jesus, you are seated on your throne. You have all authority. You are allowed to say whatever you want to say to us. Thank you that we don't have to make you up in our own image. And I just pray tonight, if there are any areas, any ideas we have about you that are not right, that you would graciously, lovingly confront us, that we would see Jesus more clearly, that we would like have more joy because we know our Jesus better. So just come and speak now, Lord. You are so good. That's for your presence now. That's for your presence to help me be really clear what you have, what you have said. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. Man. Well, we've had like, I don't know about all of your experience, but my experience the past couple months has been insane. Like it's literally been unbelievable. Like the fire started, the power went out. I just had a baby. I was barely like thinking clearly. I remember I walked, it was, it was the night of the fire. It was like, like whatever, two in the morning or something. And I couldn't sleep because the power was out. And so I walk outside and it was like a full moon and the sky was like, there was like a wall of smoke that was like making its way to carp. And it was like just about to cover the moon and I was, gonna, I was losing my mind. And I was like, I can't sleep. I have to go see it. So I got in my truck, drove down to Ventura. And you guys, I mean, if you, some of you live in Ventura, it was like the, literally the city was on fire. Like it was actually like houses and mountains. And it wasn't like, oh, there's a fire. It was like, there's a fire, there's a fire, there's a fire. It was like scattered, like miles long. I was losing my mind. We get evacuated. My little baby's like sleeping everywhere in random houses. Like we're just, it was the weirdest thing, right? And then we finally get back and we're done and we're like, no more fire, even though everything smelled like smoke and the ground was all black and nasty. And then the rain came, right? And you're like, you guys, did you guys get the alert? Right, like, yeah, flash flood, and who believed that? You're like, 
oh, this is, we've all had rain. And then like that happened, right? And then I have personal friends who have lost family members and lost homes. And it was just like, just enough to just like, we're finally done. And it like, I don't know what it was like for you, but it was like a gut punch for me. Like I literally don't have it in me to like handle this again. And then like a couple days ago, I get these CNN alerts and I woke up in the middle of the night and it was like earthquake in Alaska and like tsunami warning for the West Coast. And I was literally, I was like, I can't have, I cannot handle this. And I just bring that up because we, even though we're young, relatively young, we have all already experienced our own like share of trouble. No matter who you are, no matter how wealthy you are, how awesome your parents are, whatever your life is, we, I'm sure, have already experienced our own fair share of trouble. Um, Life is just full of trouble. And even like this story, it's like a little boy who's dying. Like that's just the world we live in. Like it's, it's actually different now. I'm like, oh man, what if my son was about to die? And I just have to say right at the start, something I've noticed is that God is big and he is sovereign. And yet he allows stuff like fires and floods and sickness to challenge us in such a way that it makes us desperate for the Lord. At least that's what it should do. Like what a shame if you suffer and you didn't turn to the Lord. I, I really believe the Lord allows this stuff, sick babies and fires and floods and divorced parents and drama with our friends and physical affliction to to make us desperate for the Lord. And that is what is happening in our story tonight. As we're just verse by verse, Jesus, have your way, teach us. We, We come across this story where a man's little son is on the point of like death. He's about to die. And I want us to notice a couple of things. So look at, we'll start again at verse 47. I want us to first notice, uh, actually verse 46, notice this. It says, so he came again to Cana in Galilee. And then verse 47, it says, he had come from Judea to Galilee. Okay, now we all have these maps in the back of our Bible, right? Does anybody look at the, like honestly raise your hand. Do you like look at the maps? Anybody here like a map person, geography? A couple of you, good for you guys. I don't really tend to, uh, but They're actually in there for a reason. And there's something significant going on at the very beginning that Jesus would leave Judea and go to Galilee. Okay, listen, this is actually cool. Judea was the city. Judea was like LA, okay? Judea was like, it had the capital. A lot of people lived there. The temple was there. It was awesome. Galilee was like the country and it was ghetto and it didn't really have much going for it. Now, Listen, people don't move from Judea to Galilee. People move from Galilee to the city. Now, now look at verse 47. This is actually important. This is in, this is something about the nature and character of Jesus. Jesus went from Judea to Galilee. Do you know what that means about Jesus? It means Jesus is willing to humble himself, to lower himself and to leave like places that are awesome and go to places that are not awesome. Like he did that when he left heaven and he did that when he left Judea and he still, you guys, he still does that now. Jesus leaves places that is awesome, his throne where things are good to get involved in like bad situations in ghetto places where nobody else wants to get involved. 
And this is just really important to know this about our Jesus. The fact that he is God, yet he's like, I'm down to lower myself, humble myself, and get messy and involved in these places that people don't want to get involved. And that's also significant, you guys. If Jesus said, if you want to follow me, if you like are a Christian, you're called to do the exact same thing. He said, whoever would be the greatest must, must be your servant. Now, like we live in an age uh, where it's funny for some reason, we tend to like think we know the most uh, like at the, pretty much this age. Like I never knew as much as I did when I was probably 19. Like I knew everything, right? That's just what it's like to be us at this age. We tend in general to think too highly of ourselves or at least too much of ourselves. Even if you think poorly of yourself, you're thinking about yourself a lot. Uh, many of us are really ambitious and, you know, we have like these dreams. Maybe we wouldn't share them because we don't want to look crazy. Be like, no, I actually think I'll be president. Like I maybe won't say that, but like I legit, I think I could be president. Like I, like we have these ambitions in us. We have this desire to like make a name for ourselves. That's just who we are as humans. And just let the, this beginning sentence of Jesus leaving Judea, going to Galilee, remind us that it, to follow Jesus is to like lower ourself, to think less of ourself and to even like, I am above this. I shouldn't have to do this, but I'm gonna do it anyways. I, I don't need people to praise me or notice me. There's no job too low for me. There's no person too like gross or annoying or socially awkward for me. Like there's no service that like is too low for, for me. Yeah, but I'm really like, I'm really gifted and I feel like I should be doing this. Like, Jesus shows us it doesn't matter who you are. To follow him is just to be low, to like leave our place where we want to make a name for ourselves and go lower ourselves. That's who Jesus is. And now listen, this is really important. Look at verse 47. It's the humility of Jesus. Look, when this man heard that Jesus had come from Judea to Galilee, look what it says next. He went to him. Okay, listen, like that's significant. When we realize that Jesus like leaves his throne and comes to ghetto places, it it does something to us. Like it actually gives us hope. It gives us hope that we can approach Jesus. And the right response is that we, like this man, would go to him. Like I wanna go to him. I wanna go be with Jesus yeah, I have drama and I have things that are wrong. And because Jesus is willing to leave heaven and come here, I have hope that right now with all of my junk, I should go to him. That's what it says. When this man heard that Jesus had come, he went to him and asked him to come down and heal his son for he was at the point of death. And I love that, to come what? Down. Like he knew, like, no, Jesus, that's what he does. He's willing to come down to me. And because this man had hope at who Jesus was, look at verse 40, uh, look at uh, verse 48. Actually, I'm gonna pause there. I read ahead of my notes. I wanna, I wanna hit on that for a second. One of the images the Bible talks about like um, is, the th- is the thing called a priest, a high priest in the Old Testament. We couldn't go into the presence of God because we were sinful and God was holy and so we needed a priest. And, and one of the things the, the New Testament talks about is Jesus like fulfills that role as a priest. He's like the high priest, like the highest priest there is. And one of the things Jesus does for you and for me 
is he makes a way for you with all of your junk to go be with God. And I'm gonna read you two verses out of Hebrews 10. Hebrews 10 says this, since we have a great priest, let us draw near. Like just listen, like that soak into your heart because of who Jesus is. He's a great high priest. What should we do? We should draw near. And then again in, in Hebrews 4, it says, let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of, does anyone know the next word? Throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace in our time of need. Yeah, Jesus is on a throne and he's high and lifted up, but what is that throne? It's a throne of grace. And even uh, the priests in the Old Testament, there was this thing where it said that the presence of God hovered over, it's called the mercy seat. Because to come into the presence of God, it was by the mercy and grace of God. And that mercy seat, uh, it literally covered the Ark of the Covenant. And that word cover is another word for atone. Like by the grace of God, we've been atoned for, we've been covered by the blood of Jesus so we can draw near to God, to a throne of grace. And here's the deal. We are all like this man on some level. You have needs, sins, sicknesses, fears, doubts, worries, stress, anxieties. We're wondering about our future, wondering about if we're gonna have enough. We have needs. And what should we do with these needs? Well, because who Jesus is, we should bring us and our baggage and our drama and our needs near to God. And listen, you can know if someone has a real, true relationship with God. When, When something just sucks in your life, You can tell when someone's tested and their life is horrible, if they draw near to God, you're like, man, they have a relationship with God. If they run, you're like, man, they don't know God because he's a God of grace and mercy. And we can draw near to his throne. I heard one pastor say, uh, nobody wakes the king up in the middle of the night. Nobody does that. We don't have a king, but we can imagine a king, right? Nobody wakes the king up in the middle of the night except who? Except for his son or his daughter. And we have that kind of access to God. Like you can wake him up in the middle of the night and he's not like, what are you doing? He's like, you're my son and I love you. And I like, what can I, how can I help you? It's a throne of grace. And man, I just wanna encourage you where you're at right now. Like take courage, Jesus isn't annoyed at your drama. He's not annoyed at your sin and your neediness and your worry and your anxiety. Like he's big enough. Like his shoulders are strong enough. They're not tensed up, worried about your life. Like he's enough. That's why the Bible says, cast your cares on him because he cares for you. Like it's the best. Like we all kind of wish we had, maybe you do have that friend who's like willing to just let you vent or whatever. And that's awesome. But like eventually their shoulders will like slump and they'll be tired. Like we have someone who we can go to at all times with our drama. And even just hope for the world, like you have friends and family and neighbors who don't know Jesus and that we would care that they could bring their burdens to someone, to Jesus. Like we have the best news for the world, like like that we would share that our God is a God of mercy and grace. So this man brings his drama and his problems and his worries to Jesus. And now look at verse 48. Uh, This is crazy because Jesus is about to do something that we would not expect. 
which I like because Jesus is a real person. He's not who we always imagine him to be. Verse 48, so, I mean, listen, the guy's like, Jesus, my son's dying. Verse 48, so Jesus said to him, unless you see signs and wonders, you will not believe. And that's it. That's all Jesus says to the guy who's like, Jesus, my son is dying. And Jesus brings up something like almost unrelated and just confronts the guy. And it actually, it says that you is in the plural. He's like confronting the whole crowd saying, all you guys want are signs and wonders. And if you don't get them, you won't believe. And it was like, Jesus, what are you saying? Like this guy's son is dying. And I just want to pause here and just say this. Jesus often does things that we don't expect. He often will give us an answer we don't want. He, and you know what? Because he loves you, he often confronts you. When you're like, I really need you, Jesus, right now, in his love, he will often confront you instead of giving you what you want right away because he loves you and wants you to have more joy than what you have right now. And so he confronts this man and this whole city's spiritual immaturity. And he, he brings up signs and wonders, okay? And it's, kind of, it's almost random. Jesus, why are you saying that? Like, what's wrong with signs and wonders? Aren't you performing signs and wonders? Aren't, didn't you turn water into wine? Aren't you healing people? Don't, when we think of Jesus in general, he's like, healing people, performing signs and wonders. Uh, Is it wrong that this man wants his son to be healed? No, it's not wrong. Is it wrong for us to long for like signs and wonders? Is it wrong? No, it's not wrong. Like God gives them. God gives the Holy Spirit and spiritual gifts and tongues and prophecies and healing and miracles. The Bible even says without measure. So what is Jesus doing when he just calls out this guy when he's like, my son's dying? Now, now, verse 47, I want us to notice one thing. The man asked Jesus to do what? Remember? To come down and heal his son. And this actually gives us some perspective on this man. Uh, do you know what this man views Jesus as? Like, like a mere miracle worker. Like, Jesus, come, like, I know you can do magic, so come down and do your magic. Like, I need you to, like, do your magic. He doesn't view him as God who's big enough to just like, Jesus, speak the word, I know my son will be healed. He's like, come on, like, come, please do your thing with my son. And so Jesus right there knows this man's heart and knows that he's like, okay, he knows I can heal, but he doesn't know who I am. He doesn't know my identity. He doesn't know I'm actually God. He just wants me to like fix his problem. And in love for this man, Jesus confronts him and confronts his shallow view of Jesus. Now, that's like kind of rude, definitely like offensive. Jesus, though, did this. And now I have a little picture like, why are you doing this, Jesus? Okay, imagine you went to the doctor because you, you have chronic headaches, okay? Probably some of us do. Migraines, chronic headaches. And the doctor's like, okay, I can give you medicine for your headaches. It'll help. Uh, but I want to do a couple tests if we can see what's going on. So he does a test. He's like, okay, here's your medicine, but I also have some bad news. There's a tumor in your head. And you're like, yeah, doctor, but honestly, can you just make the headaches go away? Like, let's just, can we just do the medicine? Wouldn't the doctor be reasonable to be like, you're an idiot. Like, you're going to die. I want to help you. You have a brain tumor. There's something more serious going on here than your headaches. And all you want is medicine, but I want to fix the issue. And I think we as humanity and even as sons and daughters 
have the tendency to go to God and all we really want is like some headache medicine. I think we, we tend to do that with God. God, please just make this go away. Please, God. And it's cool. We're going to the right person. We should go to him and not someone else. And there's nothing wrong with headache medicine. But something is wrong if that's all that we want from God. Like something's off in our view of Jesus if that's all he does. Here's some signs and some wonders and some headache medicine and make your problems go away. There's something wrong if that's all we want. Now, all of those signs and wonders and healings and miracles and all of that are good gifts. Every good and perfect gift comes from God. But they are not God. They're not enough. They're actually not what you need at the very bottom. And Jesus is such a good spiritual doctor that in love, he'll confront you with your real needs. In love for you, he's even gonna withhold what you want sometimes and challenge you and even offend you that, that you would get something you need even more, that you would get him, you would get Jesus, the grace of God for you, the forgiveness of your sins and a new heart and son, to get your sonship and daughtership and that you would enjoy Jesus above anything. And what if Jesus was like, you know, I'm not gonna give you what you want so that you could enjoy me instead and that I would be enough. And I just have to say in love, if Jesus isn't enough, then you don't know him and you haven't really tasted him because he's actually better. He's better than easier circumstances or whatever headache medicine you want in the moment. And listen, it's not, I, I really believe, it's not until we like experience Jesus and love Jesus for who he is that we're even like ready to receive his gifts. Like I believe that. I think he does give us gifts sometimes that we're not ready for. Like what parent doesn't like spoil their kids and like, yeah, you're bad, but like I wanna love you and so I'll give you some gifts. God does that for sure. But out of love, there comes a point where he's like, man, I just, I want you to like know me as the giver even more than all my gifts. And um, this is cool because as a church, I don't know where you go on Sunday, but at least this Sunday we're in Acts. And uh, this Sunday we're, we're preaching on the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And we're literally gonna have like a whole like bunch of teams up here on the carpet. We're gonna like literally baptize people in the Holy Spirit. If you've never been baptized, that, that's gonna happen on Sunday. And it's gonna be so good. But I just have to say, if you want the baptism of the Holy Spirit, but it's not to be near Jesus, like there's something, there's something wrong. Like the reason why we want more of the Holy Spirit is because the Holy Spirit helps us see and enjoy God more. The Holy Spirit pours out the love of the Father. The Holy Spirit glorifies Jesus. And even if you got the baptism of the Holy Spirit and you could prophesy anything and heal anything and you never were near to Jesus, it will be a waste in the end. Man, the Bible's crazy. There are people who are really full of the Holy Spirit and like were idiots. And like God's like, yeah, I can use them. Have you heard of Samson? He was like full of the spirit doing crazy things. But like he was really, really broken. And it's far better to like say, Jesus, you are enough. In lack, in plenty, whatever you give me, I'm gonna ask. But like you are enough. And Jesus in love will often just confront us with our spiritual immaturity. Now, this is another funny reaction. Jesus just like should just blatantly offend this guy, basically slaps him like you're an idiot. And then verse 49, look what the guy does. 
the official said to him, sir, come down before my child dies. I love that because he's not like, who are you? He doesn't argue. He doesn't even justify himself. He's just like, I'm so needy. I, Jesus, and he almost ignores everything and is just pleading with Jesus. And I think this is, there's something we can learn even from this immature man. Because when we have our lack, here's the one thing we should do with it. Just keep bringing it to Jesus. It's okay if you're immature. It's okay if you don't have it all straight. If you keep going to Jesus, it's gonna be good in the end. He's gonna like walk you through where you need to go. And this man is like, Jesus, please, I've heard what you've done. Please heal my son. And he just keeps pleading with Jesus. He doesn't let go. And now look, verse 50, Jesus does this crazy test, okay? Jesus said to him, go, your son will live. The man believed the word Jesus spoke to him and went on his way. Okay, now listen. First of all, this is cool. Jesus shows him, hey, I'm not a random miracle worker. I'm not gonna go with you. Just go, your son's gonna live. First of all, Jesus is like, I'm God. I don't have to go like touch him. Just go, he's gonna live. So first of all, Jesus is like, look at who I am. But then Jesus does something that's actually really, really, really hard. He says, go, go, go away, go see your son. Now imagine if you're this guy, you're like, well, well, you're not gonna come with me? And like, what if my son isn't really alive and this is my one chance? Jesus doesn't give him any sign. He doesn't give him any proof. He even doesn't give him what he asked to go down. He, what's the one thing Jesus offers this man? He offers him his word. He says, go, and your son will live. And just in love, I want to ask you, is that enough for you sometimes, his word? I'm not going to give you what you want. I'm not going to go with you. I'm just going to give you my word. I'm going to speak to you. Will you trust me? Will we trust Jesus when all that we have is his word, his promises? Like, it's not doing what I'm asking. I don't really feel him. I'm stressed out. I think I still have my problems. And then he gives you his word. Is that enough? And what Jesus is doing is he's like testing this man. He's like putting his like finger on his heart and he's testing him. And look what the man does. The man believed the word that Jesus spoke to him and went on his way. That's really, really profound. I have no proof, but I believe you, Jesus. I believe you. Like tonight, some of you may have drama going on and all you're practically gonna see is like some promises of who God is. Like, are you, are you willing to like, I will believe you, Jesus. I will believe you. You're gonna work all things together for my good, that you are more satisfying than anything else than when grain and wine or whatever else abounds. Like, I trust what you say. And that's a test of our maturity and our walk with Jesus. And so look, look what happens next, verse 57 or 51. As he was going down, his servants met him, told him that his son was recovering. So he asked them the hour when he began to get better. And they said, yesterday at the seventh hour, the fever left him. The father knew that was the hour when Jesus said to him, your son will live. And he himself believed and all his household do you know what? It's cool. He didn't just get a miracle there. Like, he got Jesus. Like, he believed. And his whole house believed. 
he was like, Jesus is enough. And even look like when he finds out, hey, your, your son's better, he wasn't just stoked and like went on his way. He's like, no, wait, let me ask you something. Let me ask you about Jesus. And he realized Jesus is who he said he is, that Jesus is good, that when he said, go, your son will live, he was trustworthy and he was able to do what he promised. And do you know what's awesome about this? I mean, it's heavy, but awesome. Jesus, the son of God said, go, your son will live. Yet Jesus, the son of God, would end his life and not live. Just think about that for a second. Jesus would heal this man's son and say, go, your son will live. But he knew I'm the son of God. I am the son of God and I will not live. I will leave my throne and I will lay my life down for 33 years and serve people and heal people and give them life. And then I will go to a cross where I will receive the punishment that humans deserve for their rebellion and I will die. And I just think it's profound that this father had his son live. And that's like a theme in the Bible. The first grave ever dug in the Bible was by a father for his son. And Jesus, the son of God, was buried. And yet, as we know, Jesus rose again and in that process would defeat death once and for all. Now, this is why this is important because how do we know Jesus is good and how do we know Jesus is trustworthy over like your actual drama right now? Well, like he died for you in your sin. And if you trust him, this drama would not be the final thing, the final word. And we, because he has proven himself and rose again, have like this book full of his promises. And he tells us who he is and how we are to trust him. And because he has risen from the dead, we can know like, Jesus, I will trust you. I will trust you and I will see you again face to face and my drama will be gone and death will be gone and brokenness will be gone. And so in the meantime, we're like this man after he heard the word of Jesus and he's going home to see his son. Like things are still broken. There's still drama. And all we have, well, we have more, but we have the promises of God to like journey home with. And and the day will come, you're gonna, if you trust him and believe him, you're gonna see him with your own physical eyes and all things will be good and made right. And so I just want to encourage us right now where you're at with your drama, with your stress, with the things that like when you wake up, you're like, you feel that in your stomach. Like you may be desperate like this man. You may be like getting to a hopeless place. What do we do with this? Well, let's like go to Jesus with it. And let's even let him like lovingly confront us and do the surgery that we need on our heart and confront like whatever it is, our sin, confront our doubt, confront our obsession with a certain thing or, or just like, Jesus, please just do this for me. Like let him like have his way in us because, because in that process, we're just gonna see him and experience him as better than anything else. He, Jesus, is what you need right now tonight. No matter what's going on, it's Jesus. He is what you need, and he is enough. And so even as we just worship right now, um, I want to just encourage us to do two things. Number one, like, let's bring whatever is going on to him. 
And then let's say, Jesus, whatever you do with that thing, I trust you. And, and even if that thing remains, or if you heal it, or you do whatever, Jesus, you're enough. Like that is the goal tonight that we would leave tonight, saying, Jesus, you are enough. I'm content in you. I'm gonna keep asking you to heal and make things right, but there is coming a day when it will be right, and right now, you are enough. So I'm gonna pray for us, and then we're just gonna spend some time in his presence. Um, I wanna encourage us to be willing to confess and pray and love one another. Like the Bible says, there's a, the priesthood that was in the Old Testament is like on you now. You guys are royal priests and you are able to like minister to one another, the presence of God to one another. So like, honestly, time for confession, time for encouragement, time to like, maybe just like mourn with one another, weep with one another. Maybe like things are good and just like testify like, hey, when things are really hard, it's actually nice to hear some good news. Hey, Jesus has been really good to me. Like sometimes we just need to hear that. So let's just like minister to one another and then let's seek the presence of Jesus. Amen? Jesus, you are enough. Jesus, you are enough. And you are so good that you, you come down to lowly places and to our drama and our sickness and our sin. And in love, you, you confront us. Um, and we just say right now, like, that's okay, Jesus. You have your way in us. Have your way in my heart. You're allowed to confront me however I need to be confronted. Because in that process, you just show me how good you are and that you are enough and that you are what I need and not just your stuff. So I ask for every one of us that we would, um, by your spirit, just one of the things your spirit does is just convicts us where we need to be convicted that we could enjoy more of you. So please, would you soften any bit of pride in any of us? This is like, I'm good. I don't need that. I already know these things. Like, Holy Spirit, please just convict us where we need to lovingly confront us that we could experience Jesus and the joy of the Lord. Jesus would be seen as more beautiful that we would not just in our brains know, but we would taste and see the goodness of Jesus tonight. Give us courage to love one another, to confess, to share burdens. Rid us of our desire to like be Jesus. Like, I'm good, I'm fine, I don't need it. Like, humble us, we're not Jesus. Like, I, we need you, Jesus. So please, Holy Spirit, please move and minister and encourage and convict. And above all, just help us see Jesus more clearly. Pour out your love for us now. God, I also ask just for freedom. We'd be free to sing and to dance and to bow and and pray for someone we don't even know. Just have your way right now in us, Holy Spirit. We're not just playing church. We're not just doing what we are used to. Just have your way right now, Holy Spirit.